When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Springsteen fans, and welcome back to Springsteen Time 70. I'm your host, Bobby Olivier, and this is episode number three of seven. We are counting down songs number 50 to number 41 today, and I am joined by Michelle Amabile, the ridiculously good and veteran radio host from New Jersey, and she you can hear her afternoons on 107.1 The Boss uh, Classic Rock Radio. It's sort of an oxymoronic, newer classic rock radio station, 107.1. And Michelle seems to always be wherever Springsteen is. Uh, she is an even bigger fan than I am. And uh, Michelle, thank you for joining us. What have you been up to lately? Have you been hanging out with Springsteen? Because I know that you actually have. (laughs) (laughs) Funny you should ask, Bobby. First of all, Bobby, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here Mm -hmm. to uh, be talking to you about all things boss. Uh, (laughs) Saturday night at the Stone Pony, we had the boss summer bash. Mm -hmm. Well, we call okay. The week before it was the Boss Summer Bash with Almost Queen, and then this was the Boss Summer Party. We're busy at the Boss, mm-hmm. but this was our uh, party with Southside Johnny, having a party with Southside Johnny. Mm-hmm. And remember, Jones was on the bill, and so was Gary Talent of the E Street Band. Mm-hmm. Now, that should have been our first clue, the bass <laughs> player. Now, Bruce had not been at the Stone Pony since at least 2011. He's mm-hmm. always been at the Wonder Bar right. lately uh, down the street. So he hadn't made an appearance there in eight years. And I was uh, hanging out in the back bar and there was a Springsteen cover band playing inside. And then on stage during 10th Avenue freeze out, there was Jared Clemens. Clue number two. We had a Clemens <laughs> yeah. in the house, uh, uh-huh. Clarence's son. So then the whispers are starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Bruce is here. Bruce is here. I mean, first I'm hearing Steve Van Zandt's going to be here, and I'm like, no way, he's in Quebec. <laughs> he, unless we're having See, the, the Steve Van Zandt hologram. He is in Quebec. He's right. with his Disciples of Saltor, which is amazing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a great album he has. Uh, but um, then pictures start showing up. Yeah on my Facebook feed of a Yankee hat. And I'm going, okay, Bruce is here. (laughs) So so we go walking to the back of the side and Mm. there he is. And he was there. And I swear to God, he waved in my direction. Who knows who he was waving at really? But I was like, and there he was Yankee hat looking nice and trim, 69 years old, Mm going to be 70 in September. And the man just looks unbelievable. Mm -hmm. He takes such great care of himself. He's in the gym every day and you could just tell. So uh, we're standing there and he comes over and he just, he's standing by the side of the stage watching Gary perform. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Gary called him up to the stage. He did one song, Dirty Mm -hmm. Rotten Shame. He was with Delvantes. And then uh, Bruce uh, went and got something to eat. (laughs) (laughs) He drove himself to the pony. He always does. What a guy. So he uh, comes back where uh, uh, Southside's playing. He's on the other side of the stage mm-hmm. and he was watching everything over there. His son, Sam, was there. Mm-hmm. Like family affair. And the thing about Bruce is he doesn't need 
a security guard. I mean, the, the pony gave it to him. Right, right. But he came by himself. He was so comfortable. He was talking to people. He was saying right. hello to old friends backstage. Yeah, it's his, it's his turf. He, he was talking to Jared about Clarence. He was talking to other people about mm-hmm. uh, somebody asked him, oh, is Patty coming? And he's yeah. like, this is funny. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, no. She says that uh, it's too hot. Her hair is going to frizz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of love that, and I can't blame Patty, and she was right about the weather. But, yeah, yeah so he is up on the riser, and uh, then I don't know what got into me, but I decided uh, <laughs> to give him my 107.1 The Boss sunglasses. We have these promotional sunglasses, uh-huh. <laughs> and they were mine, by the way, so I don't have them anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I went up on the riser. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was right after he had performed. They did seven mm-hmm. songs. It was amazing. And, you know, having a party. Listen, mm-hmm. Mr. DJ, I'm a DJ. And right, of course, right, right. I say this goofy line to him and everything. And he's just so cool. He realizes I'm a goober. Yeah. And, and I said, I think you should have my sunglasses. Uh, you know, these are my 1071 The Boss promotional sunglasses. I want you to have them. He's like, oh, cool. Thanks. <laughs> That's a pretty good impression. Yeah. yeah. So we took it. So I said, all right, babe, let's take a picture. So I called yeah. him. What am I thinking? Yeah. And he, but he was so cool. He, he put the sunglasses in his shirt. Mm. We took a picture. He's like, yeah, we got it. Yeah. And couldn't have been nicer. Great. Well, I'm glad that you had that experience. I'm eternally jealous. And for the people that are hearing this in August or September or whenever, uh, this was a show at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park uh, in mid the middle of July. It was um, July 7th. Ju- or July 7th. Okay. Um, so we, and it doesn't really happen when it's your radio yeah. show and then he shows up at your radio show. It's like, yeah. wow. S- surreal, I'm sure. Surreal. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, let's go right into song number 50, which is a song that uh, actually is celebrating its own anniversary uh, this year, I believe. Right, so that was number 50 on our list, Land of Hope and Dreams, uh, which appears on Wrecking Ball, but uh, was written in the late 90s as a sort of comeback song for when uh, Springsteen and the East Street Band came back together and did that epic reunion tour uh, that came and played Continental Airlines Arena in East Rutherford uh, in 1999. And Michelle, you were at one or more of those shows, I Oh, believe. yes. Uh, a little fun fact about that song, that mandolin part that you just played, mm-hmm. that was actually a part that was on a song on Joe Grishecki's American Babylon right. album. So uh, Bruce likes to recycle things yeah. from his yeah, songs. Yeah, like yeah. he, He'll hang on to things. And uh, he did that on the reunion tour. And the first time he performed it was in Asbury Park at Convention Hall. Right. Like he tried that out uh, mm-hmm. before. And people were calling it the train song because nobody knew the title. It wasn't anything thing that was recorded. Right. And when he did that on the reunion tours, that was the last song of the night. Now, when do you ever close out with a new song like that, let alone him? He doesn't yeah. do that that often, but he did on that tour. And uh, that one line, faith will be rewarded. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of zeroed in on that line when they're looking for tickets. Right, right, right. <laughs> when That's looking, funny. <laughs> faith will be rewarded. But it's such a beautiful song. And in Bruce's world, everybody's welcome on the train. Right. Sinners and gamblers and nuns and priests. Everybody's welcome in his world. Sounds fun. (laughs) And there's obviously the the bit of uh, the impressions people get ready and 
the gospel standard, this train, which is where the, all the this train sort of comes from. He was drawing from that. And I also remember this song from uh, John Stewart's last episode of The Daily Show when uh, Springsteen showed up uh, in 2015. And by uh, Stewart's request, he, Stewart says this is like his, moment his, fa- of his favorite. Yeah, his moment is then. And then he said this was like his favorite Springsteen song, whether that's true or not. But then they uh, they played that they played this song and it was great. So I was I always have that memory of it too. Um, yeah, it's a gigantic song, like full band song, super refreshing to hear after all the Tom Jones stuff, which was great in its own right. But yeah, if you're showing up to a, a East Street Band show in the late '90s and you get to hear this brand new song that sort of sounds like old things, but has that that really cool mandolin solo, it's a gigantic song with a big solo from Clarence and. Uh, Actually, one more one more thing about that. Um, Ron Aniello, who has worked on a bunch of Springsteen stuff uh, uh, more recently as a producer, he had taken Clarence's solo from a live cut and put it over the final recording. Like, because when when the rec- when the final version came out, uh, Clarence had already passed on in 2010. Recording comes out in 2012, and. Uh, Springsteen cried when he heard it because he didn't know that they actually had a cut of Clarence doing the solo and that was going to appear on the song. So extra, extra touching little, uh, little tidbit there on to number 49, uh, which is an outtake and, uh, maybe the best, uh, punk rock Bruce that's ever existed. So that was number 49, Roulette, uh, which was an outtake from uh, the River Era and uh, appeared on the Ties That Bind box set um, and also appeared on tracks uh, in 1998. And as somebody who loves punk music, too, in addition to Springsteen, I wish there was a whole album of this that existed somewhere. This is uh, him at his most incendiary protesting just epic rock and roll Bruce. Song about Three Mile Island. Yeah, yeah, came in a couple days or a couple days after. That was a B side to yeah. One Step Up to, uh, mm-hmm. which is funny because One Step Up is such a slow song, and then you flip the side over, and then you got the yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. Uh, but it's a uh, really uh, he when he played it on that tour, I believe like he might have kicked off a show once or twice mm-hmm. with that, right? That, but uh, don't quote me on that. Yeah. Well, you can't quote me on that, yeah. but. But it's um, you're right about it being punk rock, Bruce. Maybe in the city's kind of punk rockish yeah. too. He was kind of in that. Groove. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Late seventies, uh, early eighties, Bruce. You got a couple of uh, of tracks like that. We are, we're actually going to be talking about another one very soon. Um, but uh, and one extra note on this: the the opening riff is actually sort of borrowed from uh, the band Magazine. Their their song "Shot by Both Sides." Uh, that riff is almost identical, uh, and uh, Springsteen has said it's basically he basically took it from them. Um, with I'm sure with their uh, with their permission, I'm sure they were happy to have him have it. Um, so let's keep going to number forty eight, a uh, gigantic song that uh, is just one of those big old Bruce party songs. Oh, hey, hey. Well, well, 
Number five hit record. Yeah, all right. Number 48 on our list. That's Glory Days, of course, from Born in the USA, 1984. And uh, above all the other things that we're going to say, this this uh, record has a ton of Hudson County in it because the music video was filmed at Maxwell's in Hoboken. And the uh, if you ever watched the music video of him uh, playing baseball, uh, the baseball field is in West New York. It's a uh, Miller Park in West New York. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is a song that everyone knows plays at uh, appropriately a lot of baseball games. I vividly remember playing, uh, 13 year old all-stars at Al Leiter stadium in Bayville, Al Leiter, fellow New Jerseyan, um, and professional baseball player. And, uh, I remember this playing in between innings and we were like, wow, yeah, there's actual music playing in between innings at our little league game. Um, so full circle moment for me and I'm sure for many other people who have heard it forever. And based on a true story, Bruce ran into his old Little League pal in 1973. Yeah. <laughs> now, he held on to that information for I don't know how long before he wrote yeah, this song. Yeah, a, de- a decade, yeah. And that video uh, uh, recorded at Maxwell's mm-hmm. in Hoboken. And a uh, fun fact for the ladies, featuring both his wives, yeah, Julianne Phillips and Patty Scalfa. Yeah, Niels is in that too, and neither one of them were official members of the band yet. That was like a little sort of introduction for them. Um, and Glory Days actually started as a uh, sort of a downcast record about like things that could have been and you're being a shell of your former self, you know, typical Springsteen kind of topics. And then it ended up getting built into this uh, sort of honky tonk rock kind of song that uh, yeah, is one of his seven top 10 hits, which uh, seven top 10 hits from Born in the USA, which is still is tied for uh, for the record for all time with uh, with Drake, I believe. And how weird that Glee covered that. Yeah, <laughs> of all yeah. Shows. I forgot. Oh, I forgot about that. That's a good one. That's why you're here, Michelle, to bring up to bring up stuff like that. Because like I Glee. Totally, yeah, like Glee. I totally forgot about that. Um, all right. Well, moving on to uh, number forty-seven, a song from two, yeah two albums earlier that uh, people continue to love. Okay, that was The Promised Land from Darkness on the Edge of Town, 1978, and number 47 on our list. That song was inspired by a trip that uh, Springsteen took with uh, Eric Miola, a photographer who I believe shot the the photo for the Born to Run cover, um, out to uh, Utah and around the, uh, the Southwest after that, I believe. And uh, that is sort of where the whole Promised Land idea came from, in addition to um, the Chuck Berry song, Promised Land, which there's sort of an homage to that. Um, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam does a mean cover of this song. Yeah, this is one of those sort of mid-era chess pounders that, uh, whenever he plays it, people are happy to sing along to. A song born of desperation and despair after that lawsuit, and he couldn't record for a long time. And you could just hear how angry he is in the vocals. Yeah. One of my favorite live moments. Yeah, completely. And yeah, and there, as we've talked about on other episodes, there's so many songs on this album that uh, I always think of Darkness as like the Angry Bruce album. Like the like Born to Run is quintessential Bruce. Darkness is Angry Bruce. River is Party Bruce. <laughs> That's how I always kind of keep keep it all straight in my head. This might be sort of the beginning of a lot of Bruce looking west uh, and then go and then 
obviously doing Nebraska and Tom Joe and Devils and Dust and Western Stars and all sorts of things in between. Uh, it's just one of those <laughs> that just keeps and as just he called keeps going. it his love affair with the desert. Yeah, yeah. He nobody loves the desert more than Bruce. It, it's talk about grass being greener on the other side. Like if New Jersey actually had some desert, he probably would not be singing about it all the time. Um, <laughs> anyway. On to number 46, a personal favorite of mine, and uh, one that I wish Bruce would actually play more live, but, but he just doesn't. But I wish he would play this more. This is number 46. Down in the part of town where we're the hitter at that you don't stop. All right, that's Johnny 99 from Nebraska, 1982. That's number 46 on our list. And uh, first, I'm going to give a shout out to Asbury Park area local rocker Bobby Mahoney, a fellow Bobby, who at uh, the annual Light of Day Festival a couple years ago played an epic solo acoustic version of this. This is not a song that gets covered all the time, and I love this song, so I'm happy that he covered it. Bobby, if you're out there, this Bobby really love that. Mawa represent. Yeah, Mawa <laughs> represent. Yeah, if you're from uh, Bergen County you uh, and you're uh, of a certain age, you will remember that the Ford Motor Company plant closed down in 1980. That was Bergen County's largest employer. Thousands of people lost their jobs. And this song uh, and the story told about, told about the guy who resorts to crime after losing his job, uh, That uh, that's that's basically where this comes from. Johnny Cash did cover it. Johnny okay. Cash covered it, and uh, so did Los Lobos. Oh, okay. it's, it's, people have fun with, with this song, but I did see him do this live on the Born in the USA tour. It was so cool. Really? Cause, oh, because Nils was playing. Yeah. And he uh, he was uh, mixing in some Nebraska songs on that yeah. tour, which was a treat. Yeah, I bet, yeah. To a little bit of a breather between all the giant Born in the USA songs. Nebraska does not have many uh, sort of up-tempo songs, and even this is still probably mid-tempo in general terms but for for nebraska this is like as fast as as it got and the song itself is pretty short at what three and a half minutes for a springsteen song that's like that's definitely on the on the lower end um and yeah this is just one of those nebraska songs that uh that sticks with you and we've we've talked we've talked about that on other episodes how they're the type of recording the fact they did it on the four track and at his little ranch in colt's neck before getting the much larger ranch in Colts Neck. Um, there's just an indelible quality to this that can never really be replicated, even when he's just playing it by himself on the, on the live stage. On to number 45, uh, we are halfway through. And uh, this is, when, he, when this was released, this was easily the angriest and most punk rock thing Bruce had done to that point. Uh, this is number 45. <laughs> Okay, that was number 45, Adam Raised the Cane from Darkness on the Edge of Town, 1978. And uh, the, this song, a lot of people know as the one that really, you can you can see, you can picture it in your mind. Bruce is like, 
underbite sneer thing that he does when he sings. Like, this is like the ultimate, like, Bruce really laying into the microphone and just being hissed. Spilling his guts with his daddy issues. Yeah. <laughs> those, yeah. One of those autobiographical daddy songs. Mm-hmm. What did he say? Um, a lot of rock and roll is daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this, I think, was actually the first to really be sort of explicitly about his dad and would obviously lead to a whole lot more on the river and... Born to Run, they established the the E Street Band sound, which has a ton of piano in it, a lot of instrumentation. And then Darkness is more of a straight-ahead rock record, and this song in particular is so heavy on the guitar and light on pretty much everything else that uh, apparently in the book that I talk about every episode, Brian Hyatt's uh, new Springsteen book, um, that Roy Bitten said that there was a quote some friction over the, over the idea of going in the more guitar driven direction uh, because they felt like they had created the sound which they were so happy with and then it's like well now we're we're going away from that in addition to all the frustrations of not being able to record for a year because of the lawsuit the the punk rock of the late seventies which he, was not so existent when he was writing Born to Run in seventy four and seventy five it's clear that it was like permeating his brain and like getting into him. And that uh, it's obvious that it made it onto made it into Adam Ray's The Cane. Anything else, Michelle? Anything else about this one? Well, did you see the promise, the making of uh, Darkness on the Edge of Time with Tom cl- Zimney film? I've seen clips of it. I don't remember what he said about Adam Ray's The Cane. It was very bizarre. Yeah. He, he said that he envisioned when he was recording it, he was envisioning uh, two lovers at a picnic. Uh huh. And then there's a dead body, and the song is that oh, dead great. body. It's yeah. like, really, Bruce? I, I didn't see it that way, but... <laughs> oh, there's a scene like that in the movie Zodiac. Well, <laughs> who knows? He, he he watches a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah, there's been... Yeah, he's he's just a, a, like a pop culture sponge. Like, every song has some little homage to some random thing he's seen or read. And on to number 44, which is a song that most people would not put nearly as high, and uh, a lot of people hated when it first came out. Uh, but I've uh, I've come to really like it, and uh, maybe you do too. This is number forty-four. Mary, my queen, your blows for freedom of this land. Oh, you're not man enough for me to hate. All right, that was number 44, Mary Queen of Arkansas, off of Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, 1973. And just a reminder, we're joined with Michelle Amabile from 1071 The Boss Classic Rock Radio. Check it out if you haven't. So Mary Queen of Arkansas got sort of the dubious title of, uh, it was John Hammond, the A&R manager guy who signed Bruce to Columbia, his least favorite song that Bruce auditioned with. He thought it was pretentious. Bob Criscow, the famous the famous critic who called it turgid, unaccompanied acoustic horror. Uh, which, oh. Yeah, which I would not go that far considering I have it here on number 44. I really like it. Um, I like the free form. It, like, it, it sounds like he's just Bruce in a room uh, sort of trying, trying stuff out. Um, I like the sort of desperation of it. I like the way that the guitar dynamics go in and out, which uh, I guess is exactly what people don't like about it. Playing with those circus themes, uh, too, in the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Just a lonely acrobat, you know? Yeah, and then he's like, oh, I guess I should write an entire song about that for the next album with Wild Billy's Circus circus Story. Um, And so Mary Queen of Arkansas is uh, 
apparently named after, uh, like we just said, Bruce is a, a pop culture sponge, and um, he had seen Mary Queen of Scots, uh, the 1971 movie starring Vanessa Redgrave. Uh, he'd seen that at some point, and then Mary Queen of Arkansas came out of Mary Queen of Scots. Okay, on to number 43, uh, a song that has taken on a new life in recent years and uh, is sort of defining of, of a certain era of Bruce's music. Number 43. Well, the highway is alive tonight But nobody's kidding nobody about where it goes I'm sitting down here in the campfire Searching for the ghost of time, Joe He pulls a prayer book out of his sleeping bag Preacher lights up a buddy and takes a drag Okay, at number 43, that's The Ghost of Tom Joad from The Ghost of Tom Joad album, 1995. And that is such a good song. Talk about creating a, a whole universe and living in it on that album. And that song, you can you feel like you're next to him uh, by Campfire Light. And of course, there there's the later version that came out on High Hopes in 2014 with uh, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. It's a much heavier, more, more rock-focused kind of song. And uh, yeah, I just, I love this one a whole lot. I don't think, I forgot how much I loved it until I went back and listened to it for this. I saw him perform it at the Count Basie Theater on that tour. And uh, one little quick note about that show. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's on stage and a girl up top yells, turn off the light, turn on the lights. I want to see your face, right? (laughs) And he leans into the microphone and goes, it's a theater, man. It's supposed to be dark. <laughs> he was in complete Johnny Cash mode. He wanted everybody to be quiet on mm-hmm. that tour. He wanted us to listen to every word. He right. really was feeling what he was singing. And of course, uh, Tom Joad is taken from the Grapes of Wrath, uh, which I tried to read in high school, was supposed to read, and definitely did not finish. Cliff uh, Notes. Yeah, Cliff I know. Cliff Notes, Bobby. Know. Come I, on, I mean, that's, that's your best friend in school. That's probably what I do. We call it Wikipedia now. Yeah, Cliff, <laughs> yeah, Cliff Notes or Spark Notes. Spark Notes. Um, but uh, one interesting thing about the uh, the relationship to the Grapes of Wrath, uh, Springsteen actually got in touch with John Steinbeck's widow, Elaine Steinbeck, to ask permission to use his name for the name of the song, which is cool because I don't I don't know if a lot of other people would have thought to do that. They just would have... Just would have done it. Um, so that's the ghost of Tom Joad. I love the acoustic version that he did with Pete Seeger. I love the the sort of hard rock version he does with Tom Morello. Um, and that's the only song that he seems to he he hangs on a Youngstown. Yeah, and occasionally Ghost of Tom Joad right. shows up. Not as often. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, as it should. I know he did do it at the Grammy Awards, but yeah, been a while. Been a while. All right. Second to last song of the episode. We're already got. We only got two left. You guys, can you believe it? Aren't you sad? I'm sad. Uh, Michelle's probably not sad. I'm sad. Uh, all right, number forty-two, uh, which is just an epic sort of noir song, and you'll know what I'm talking about when I play it. Hey, Eddie, can you lend me a few bucks tonight? Can you get us a ride? Gotta make it through the tunnel. Got a meeting with a man on the other side And Eddie, this guy, he's the real thing So if you want to come along You gotta promise you won't say anything 
Okay, that's Meeting Across the River from Born to Run, 1975. That's number 42 in our list and uh, often a prelude to Jungle Land. He, he, for years and years, played them back to back. This is sort of a an audio film noir, if that makes sense. Uh, this was really the first song that he did that had this such a specific narrative story to it. The piano in this uh, from Roy Bitten, which the, the song sort of began with a... a a riff on the piano from Roy Bitten that Springsteen heard, and he started writing around that. And then that coupled with the trumpet uh, performed by Randy Brecker. It's one that you probably don't listen to all the time because it's more like a story than like a regular song, but Born to Run would, would be incomplete without this one. Hard to believe he originally called it the heist. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and because I guess that's what they were going to go do across the river. That's they were going to go steal some stuff. Um, and have and, cash in pocket. Yeah, and there's a and there's a line in there about uh, it being their last chance. I think that that's sort of emblematic of what Springsteen was feeling at the time. That Born to Run was his last chance to really make it with Columbia Records. They were going to drop him. He thought that they were going to drop him if he didn't uh, come up with something that actually made money. After Greetings and Wild were commercially unsuccessful, even though the critics loved it, and uh, this is what came out. <laughs> He was going back and forth between this and Linda Let Me Be The One to fill this spot on this album, which is insanity, isn't it? There's no way yeah. that song could have led into Jungle Land. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, nothing against that song, but mm. I always felt like this song was like, like just leading from that moment to what happens at the end of Jungle Land. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's doomed. <laughs> yeah, completely, you know? completely. So that's Meeting Across the River a uh, Stone Cold Bruce classic. And uh, we're going to finish off today with number 41, which is another classic and a uh, the kickoff of one of his uh, finest works for sure. Okay, number 41, the last one for today is The Ties That Bind from The River, 1980, of course. That album kicks off uh, uh, his only double album, the epic 83-minute party narrative adventure. Um, and that song gets stuck in my head like no other. Uh, when, I did, when I originally did this list of all 300-whatever Springsteen songs in 2015, this was the song that was lodged in my brain long after I finished. And the one cool thing about this is on that in for darkness, the album before it, they couldn't get the drum sound, right? They, it like, it was like a torturous process. They couldn't get the reverb that they wanted. And then once they got in the room in, uh, I think it was the record plant in New York in one of their studios, as soon as they started playing, as soon as Max started playing the drums, they were like, Oh, we finally got the drum sound that we want. And it was sort of a celebration with that big crack at the beginning that, that big snare crack that uh, opens the whole album was like, guys, we got the drums. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a this is a great one. Uh, obviously, a highlight of the the uh, the River Tour in 2016. And uh, Michelle, I'm sure you've heard this song played a billion times. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it never gets old. It was supposed to be the title track of the album that he junked before he decided to right. go with the River. It's a song about connection mm -hmm. and about. Uh, 
the push-pull between being a part of a community and being alone, which is a running theme right. in his music, which oh, we yeah. learned all about that in his book. Mm-hmm. So that's our episode, you guys. Uh, the ties no longer bind Michelle. She can go home. Um, and uh, so, Michelle, two questions. Sure. I will give you a trivia question in a second. But first, what is the most played or requested Springsteen song on well, on the sub- boss? Yeah, on the boss. Oh boy, um, we get a lot of requests for um, we get we get a lot of requests for Thunder Road. Okay. Believe it or not, yeah. be, uh, I get requests for th- for uh, Jungle Land. Mm-hmm. That's always a fun one to play. Yeah, uh, and then you can go get a drink or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Goes on absolutely. And I, I don't know. We get a lot of different requests for a lot of different songs. Okay. Well, Michelle, here is your trivia question. Um, and it actually leads right into uh, the reunion tour that you went to in 1999. Uh, how many consecutive New Jersey dates were included on the reunion tour in 1999? 12, 13, 14, or 15? Wait, wait, rephrase that question Sure. Again. There were how many New Jersey dates kicked off that tour in 1999? 12, 13, 14, or 15? I think I actually said it at the, at the top of the episode. I want to say 12. 15. 15. Oh, yeah. And did you only go to one? No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just go to one, Bobby. Yeah, Come on. That's true. And uh, to answer the trivia question from last episode that I gave to Brent Johnson and I kept everyone hanging, uh, Springsteen was born at Monmouth Medical Center in Long Branch. Um, and uh, so almost almost 70 years ago. Uh, all right. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. Everyone go listen to 1071 The Boss. Classic. 1071 The Boss, classic rock of the 70s, 80s, and more. I just had it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michelle, uh, Michelle is on... Monday through Friday? Yep, 9 to 3. 9 to 3. So if you're driving around, you're going to get lunch, tune in, listen to Michelle, and keep listening to us Springsteen Time 70. Thank you guys, and have a good one.